he's someone that speaks into my life and believes in the calling of God in my life and does everything he can to push me further than he's gone. So we're blessed to have him as, as, a, as, our, as our pastor here, and uh, he's really a great man. And uh, so help me welcome my friend and spiritual father, Pastor Brent. All right. Thanks. Okay. It's Jason Castro of American Idol. Third place. It's a show I've never seen, but I hear it's something for those who like it. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, um, before I, I share tonight about what I plan to share about, I wanted to ask a question. Last week, I talked about the glory of God that you carry, and I, and I wanted to make sure that you got it, so I sent out an email with all the same information, because we need to know our identity. That's what changes us, is to know, is to agree with what God says we are. I said, in a nutshell, that in the Old Covenant, when Moses said, show me your glory, God's goodness passed before him. In the New Covenant, when we say, show me your glory, God says to you, look in the mirror. That's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New. The glory of God is inside of you. Now, here's my question. How many of you went home and said, God, show me your glory and looked in the mirror? Nice. Okay. That, I was kind of hoping for about 80, 90 percent. The rest of you. <laughs> There's grace. Hey. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, though, where, where uh, it's until the Holy Spirit begins to bring the revelation, it's like something almost feels off or wrong. Like, I can't ask God to show me his glory and then look in my own eyes. You know, that just doesn't seem right. Well, by God's grace, he is going to move you into a place where not only do you know that that's right, but you're going to see Christ in you. He oozes out of you all the time. He does. So um, the rest of you, I want to encourage you tonight, when you go home, when you're brushing your teeth, whatever you're doing tonight, ask God, show me your glory and look in the mirror, look into your eyes. Anyone, anyone who did that, that, where you just saw something like amazing when you actually did that? Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. You know what we're going to do tonight? Um, if you... Let's see if this... Oh, no, it's on. Hmm. Technology. You rock. You rock, Doug Gerke. And now it's on the podcast for all the world to know that you rock. I don't know if this is going to work or not, so I may need you to manually help me out tonight, Jim. 
I'll try it again. We're going to talk about our core values. Um, do you have one of those? Thank you. We have a, we have a core values uh, listed on, on this amazing, awesome brochure that Todd Lout helped to produce. Creative Todd Lout, our worship, amazing worship and youth pastor. Um, anyway, if you have never seen one of these, um, I would like to make sure, even right now, that you have one in your hands. So if you haven't, raise your hand and we're going to bring one to you. Just raise your hand until it, until it comes to you. I, w I mean, I know a lot of you have seen them, so don't, don't, you don't need another one for what I'm doing tonight. But if you've never, if you've never read one, I want to ask that you take a look. All right. As they're, keep your hand up until it comes. And as they're, as they're passing it around, let me just say this. What are core values? Um, core values are the non-negotiables in your life. These are the things that we said, this is who we are. This is not up for debate. This is, what, what, uh, this is a picture of our family, of what's super most important to us. And somebody can come in here and totally disagree with these, and I'm okay with that, but they're not going to change what we do. This is who we are. Um, that's what core values are. Core values help actually not only to create an environment, the environment that you enjoy, that's why you're here, but they also create a safety um, for why we can have some of the freedom that we do and still have the good times that we do. It's because of these core values. And what happened, we actually did not... I, it's been a couple years since I've actually taught over these core values, and I'm going to do a two-week series. Um, I'm going to cover six of them tonight. I'm going to cover six of them tomorrow, uh, next Saturday. Um, and the reason why I want to do this is because it's been a couple years since I've really taught through this, and there is not, uh, there's a lot of new people in who, who really haven't, don't know what our core values are, and you need to know um, when you're in this, in this family, in this environment, you really do need to know what we're about. Um, and, and so, um, I'm going to, uh, like I said, half this week, half next, although they're not, I'm not doing the first six. I'm going to mess you up a little bit. I'm doing the first four and then number eight and then number 12 on your list. The reason why is because I lumped together the ones that are more us and God centered tonight. Of course, anything that's us and God leaks out this way always. It's not just about us and God ever. But they're, they're more inclined towards what, how we feel about God and how he feels about us. Whereas the six next week are going to be a lot about how we relate to each other in light, in light of what God thinks about us. So um, that's what we're going to do. And we actually did not come up with these core values for the first several years of this church. Sometimes people, um, whether it's in a company or a church or anything else, any other organization... They will decide, okay, we need a vision statement. We need core values. They'll, they'll do that from the get-go. Well, the problem with that is you don't even know who you are yet because you haven't even lived anything yet. And so you kind of put something out there because it sounds nice. And what it really becomes is kind of ideals. We'd like to be this kind of a family. That's not how we put this list together. What happened was, is a couple years into this church, we started saying, wow, something really special is going on here. 
And, and amazingly, we keep getting amazed that people kind of travel pretty much from an hour in every direction to be here. We're like, wow, okay, something, something special is going on. In fact, the fact that you're here for three hours plus on a Saturday night plus travel time, that's a huge commitment. We've had people, I've had people at Bethel and tell us, wow, you, you guys have some amazingly committed people because um, that's a huge chunk of time. So why is it that people would, why would you do that? <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Why would you do that? Um, <laughs> these core values tell a big part of the reason about why, why people would travel that distance. And so our elders got together after a couple years of this, and we said, what is it that's making this so darn special that is not that we, that we will not allow to change. It can't change, no matter how big we get, no matter how many times we move around the valley <laughs> and what church we're in. Um, these things can't change, and this is the list that we came up with. And you know, this is probably, I'm going to say, seven years later after we wrote these, they're still just as true today. This is who we are. So let's take a look at them. Um, I think, oh, thank you, gang. Um, I always, I love sharing this picture at the beginning because, um, first, for two reasons. One, because it shows from the uh, book of Revelation where we got our name. Some people do ask, Blazing Fire, that's a unique name. A church on fire with the passionate gaze of Jesus um, is, is a, a phrase we like to use because the scripture, Revelation 1.14, says his eyes, Jesus' eyes, are like blazing fire. So he's coming back for his bride with this passionate gaze. That's what we're about. And um, that's where the name came from. So what do we value? This is still, there it goes. Um, we're going to start with number one on, on that sheet if you do have it. If you don't, again, you don't need it because it's all up here. We value, whoa. I'm totally okay. Are you okay? <laughs> I saw you all lose your breath there. I can't tell you how many times Susanna said, you make me nervous when you're going up and down this. And I'm like, oh, I'm okay. So, and she wasn't even here. To, I don't even get any sympathy points later. Now everybody on the podcast is going to go, what happened? This one is first for a very good reason because... God's presence is the goal. His presence is the goal. Intimacy with the one who loves us. Intimacy, closeness. Um, when I go down there, I'm echoing, so I'm going to stay back up here. Um, intimacy with God. It's what I, I will tell you as, as a leader, and the reason why this is number one is this is, this is why I'm alive. And um, I can tell you honestly that in 10 years of this church being in existence. I have not left Blazing Fire one night feeling discouraged or disappointed. Not one time in 10 years. But the reason why, and I, let me tell you something, that wasn't always the case. Before I was pastoring this church, I pastored a few other churches, and I had my share of discouragement and disappointment in a lot of this. I'm not saying even in life I don't ever, ever deal with discouragement. I'm saying when I leave Blazing Fire, I'm not disappointed. And the reason why is because I'm after one thing, the presence. And, and because of the environment that's been created over the years, 
95% of the people that come into this place, you know, I know there's always a few new people every, every week, but most of you are here because you want his presence. And together, we're creating an environment that the Lord can't resist. He loves when people want him. And, and because every single, every single time we worship, I get really happy, really happy. Because I'm, I am remembering how good he is and how much he loves me. And it's gone so deep in my life now that it isn't like I have to work at, okay, God, is this really true? Is this, it's, that's long gone now. This is just the way it is. You know, and, and so because of that, I, I get touched deeply by his heart every single week. So whether or not I trip on the stairs or whether or not... <laughs> I think I preached very well. Or no matter whether there's five people or 500 here, is not what, that's not where I find my joy. It's not where I find my satisfaction. I get it in, 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 in knowing that my papa adores me um, and just feeling that connection with him. So that's what we're about, uh, first and foremost. This is a verse from John 4, 23 and 24, where... Uh, Jesus says there's a time coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. Now, you've probably heard this verse many times, but what, what does that really mean? It's one of those verses like, I think that's really good, but I'm not sure why. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what it says to me is that when it says, first of all, worshiping in the spirit, our spirit and God's spirit is connected all the time. Um, when we're, when we're born from above, we're, we're, God's spirit enters in and first Corinthians chapter two tells us that there is a constant, a constant, uh, connection, a deep connection between your spirit and God's. Why don't we feel that all the time? Well, there's the problem because usually we're in our minds or a lot of times in our emotions. That's our soul. When he's saying, worship me in spirit, he's saying, let that part of you that's already connected with me rise up. Get, get out of your head. Sometimes people are here for a while and they're, they're kind of saying, well, oh, you don't really get this. You know, why, why is everybody so wahoo-ish, you know? Um, and I can tell you it's the real deal. The people that are really doing this are doing it because, because they can't help themselves or they choose not to help themselves. They want to enter in and engage. And a lot of it is because over time we've, we've kind of learned, I can't tell you exactly how to do this because it's a work of the spirit, but you kind of learn after a while, I'm just going to disengage my brain, which is trying to figure everything out. I don't even need to figure out why this person's jumping and this person's crying and I don't need to know all that. I just, wow, I'm just going to, my spirit and yours are connected, so I'm going to worship you in spirit. I'm going to let my spirit take over. The more you do that, the more you allow the Lord to just take over, the better it gets. And the more you can approach him like a little child. You're not worrying about all the things that you can't figure out. Uh, the other part of it, though, is worshiping him in truth. We have a lot of different a lot of different things we have said is God's truth um, that isn't necessarily God's truth. Meaning, um, well, me, I'll, I'm going to say it in the positive. What I mean by that is 
When God says worship me in truth, he's saying the only way you can lose yourself in me is if you truly know who I am, if you know my true heart for you. And his true heart is he's, he is massively in love with you. The true heart is he knows you couldn't do what you needed to do to get yourself right with him. And he said, I've done all that for you. I have left you no excuses to not come running into my lap right now and enjoy me. That's worshiping him in truth. That's the truth that sets you free. And that's, how, that's, that's the worshipers he can't, he can't uh, you know, stand to stay away from. He's like, oh, I love this. It just, oh, I love this. I got to be with you. So that's why all kinds of amazing things happen. That's why we spend so much time in worship. You ever wonder? I don't know. Most of you don't anymore. But, <laughs> but because I, I want to tell you honestly, this is the honest truth. In, especially in American Christianity, we've been taught that the sermon is, is the main course. The sermon is the main deal. You know, that's the meat. I want to tell you, you already had your main course tonight. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed it, because it was really good. <laughs> so I'm just adding on the little extras. If I can get you, you know, tonight to enjoy the Lord later uh, more, if I can get you next week to come back hungrier to enjoy him, that's awesome. But I want to tell you, being in his presence, worshiping him is the main course. That is the meat. Doesn't get any meatier than that. Uh, anyway, that's just my opinion. So um, these are some of the, the bullet points under that, that God's presence is the prize and the goal of our life with him. It's just the way it is. Um, in fact, let me just stop because I'm thinking about it right now. Since Lonnie mentioned KTSSM, what I'm unpacking for you in two weeks, which is basically you know two hours of time, uh, that'd be one hour this week and one hour next week. Not two hours right now, just to let you know. Okay. Um, is, is something that, I, it, that takes me um, 10 weeks, 12 weeks to unpack at, at Kingdom Training School of Ministry, and I'm there teaching four hours a day. So I'm going to give you just little snippets. The, the reason why people's lives are transformed, and I'm not saying God can't change your life if you don't go to KTSSM. Of course he can because he's changing you all the time. But why the sudden dramatic increase? Well, you can't be around this truth and saturating it and soaking in it for 20 hours a week without it doing something major to you. Um, and in fact, we start each and every day, we start with a full hour of soaking worship the whole year. You are not going to sit in the Lord's presence and soak in his presence four days a week without that dramatically changing you. Now, you could do that at home. Nobody's stopping you. <laughs> do that at home. That's one of the, <laughs> that'd be one of the keys to this kind of growth in your life. It really would be. All right. What else? We pursue the Lord's presence always and in all things, seeking him in the midst of day-to-day -day life. In other words, you know this. It's seeking God and enjoying his presence isn't a couple hours a week thing. Um, if that's all you get, please keep coming because it helps but to really enjoy him. Let me just say this. Amazing Todd tonight, who was leading worship. Amazing Todd. Leading in worship tonight. I'm going to tell you something really obvious. You don't even need to be prophetic to know this. Todd spends a lot of one-on-one -on -one time alone with the Lord. 
enjoying him, worshiping when nobody's looking, nobody's listening. How can I know that without being prophetic? Because you can't lead worship like that unless you have a really deep uh, private time life with the Lord. And so Todd doesn't wait once a week to get here and think, I think I'm going to learn how to worship, you know, here. So my point being is that um, that's great. It's wonderful to come together to worship, but there's so much more. He wants, you, he wants you to worship him really in the midst of your work, in the midst of your school, in the midst of whatever you're doing, where you're so conscious of him and so conscious of his love for you and how, he, and how he's using you with everything you're doing. That's all part of worship. Worship is all the time. Um, as we gather together to worship, our primary passion will always be to experience the Lord's intimate presence. I know I've said this already. That's just to underscore. That's why we spend so much time. That's why when people get really passionate, we don't you know, try, try to not necessarily tone it down. Uh, in our passionate pursuit of God, there is freedom to express our love for him openly. We want that. We, we want this to be a safe place. And so we celebrate you when, for some of you, you know, who are sitting and you aren't used to passion, passion's really weird when you haven't seen it. You know, it is. It's like, whoa, this is unusual. But, but for, so for some of you, I know that, you know, maybe you, you come for a while and then after a while you're like, you know, maybe for you, it's like one day you start going like this, you know. And, and you know, next thing you know, a couple months later, you're like, woohoo. So I understand there's a progression. It doesn't happen auto, you know, just automatically. But I do want to encourage you, let yourself go. Let yourself enjoy the Lord. It's, it's a good thing. And we're destined to be a people in whom the Lord desires to dwell, transforming our region by his presence. So we believe that if we actually make enjoying God our main goal, in, in and of that alone, because, because he's so present here, it is, that is going to be part of transforming our region when we didn't even go out and pray for anybody or anything like that. Uh, I, I know that's true. Um, just hope this is okay, Henry, but just a minute ago, Henry was talking about how much he loves his church, and I said, you, you know, and the, and the presence here, and I said, Henry, I said, you are part of the reason why the presence is so good here. I, I hope you all realize that if... Every single one of you is bringing something really special to the party when you come here. And mostly it's your passion and your desire for the Lord and your love for him. And that's why this place feels so good. People, people walk in here and they don't know, when they don't know what we're about, and, and honestly, I've heard this so many times I can't even count it. They say, wow, this is really weird. But, but some God's here. They're... There's so much love here, I can cut it with a knife. So I, I don't understand what's going on, but I, I think I want to come back here. I, I've heard that so many times, probably a lot of you, that was what you told me at one point. So we're going after his presence. That's number one. This is the second one, uh, our second uh, core value. We value, this is a non-negotiable, we value giving Holy Spirit complete freedom to do what he wants to do. Let me tell you, um, that comes at a price. 
It's a price I'm very willing to pay because the payoff is astronomical. <clears throat> but I will tell you, being that I tried this once before in a previous church, some of you know this and some of you don't know this about my story, but previous to this church, I also wanted to pastor a church where there was just total freedom in the spirit. Well, you know what happened is, is after a while, some, maybe some intercessors were getting a little wild and crazy and, you know, <laughs> screaming out something. And there were other people there who didn't particularly like that. And so after a while, we said to these intercessors, well, you know, maybe you could just kind of go around the corner when you want to do that, you know. <laughs> That's what starts happening, and, and I'm not picking on anybody because I'm, I'm trying to be honest and vulnerable with you to tell you that's why many pastors who want the freedom, after a while, they just don't allow it. Because it's misunderstood. How do, you know, what people are bothered? No, it's just too difficult. Never mind. Let's not do that. That's kind of the process that happens. Well, my job as a pastor is not to shut any of this down. My job is to, the best I'm able to, to get up and explain if I can. You know, this is kind of what God does. And there are times when I can't explain it. And I say, you know, I, this is just God. I can't tell you why, but it's God. Um, giving the Holy Spirit freedom is not anything goes. That's, a, that's an extreme that some places have gone to where, um, and that's another reason why it gets shut down. They think, oh, well... Uh, Freedom of the Spirit means we got to let everything happen, and then it gets really crazy and weird and, and dangerous, actually, and hurtful. And then they go, oh, I didn't like that, so then they shut it all down. Not realizing that when it says, okay, people have used this, you know, when they see something that looks a little crazy, they say, well, doesn't the Bible say that God's a God of order? Meaning none of that should happen. And I say, absolutely, God's a God of order. He entrusts, um, he entrusts leadership. Um, to, in this case, myself as a senior pastor, to say, God, I'm the gatekeeper. Um, I give you permission. Holy Spirit, come, have your way right now. Come and have your way <laughs> right now. Do what you want to do. There are times, I, I, consider me like an like a, uh, orchestra director, a choir director, you know? There are times where I'm like, oh, more of that, less of that. Um, and he actually gives me ability to do that, to say, oh, this is where the wind seems to be blowing. Let me just, let me just show you that scripture. This is where the wind seems to be blowing. John 3, 7 and 8, don't be surprised when I say that you must be born from above. Only God's spirit gives new life. The spirit is like the wind that blows wherever it wants to. You can hear the wind, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. Let me just give you a couple of examples of what I mean. So the spirit is moving tonight. You know, Todd's leading worship. It was awesome. And, uh, and as he's leading worship, there came a point where, um, where suddenly it got into a, a more of a, a lion, you know, the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? All of a sudden, the drums start picking up. Well, how did that happen? You know, Todd didn't cue them and say, now. Um, I go and get my shofar because I'm like, oh, we're doing some, you know, this is just more stuff. Come on. Now, check this out. This is, this is the way the kingdom works. Was, was somebody in charge? Well, yes. Ultimately, Holy Spirit was because he said, this is what I'd like to do. If you'd like to come with me, 
I'd love to take you into kind of a Lion of the Tribe of Judah place. Who, you want to go? That's, that's the way the Holy Spirit operates, right? So Todd, because I have actually given him authority as a worship leader to lead us in worship. That means I don't get up here and control him. I don't tell him every song he needs to do. I don't say, you, you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, so Todd, <laughs> Todd starts picking up on Holy Spirit saying, hey, let's do this. I bet you we could hear really cool if, if anyway. Is anything you want to add to that, Todd? Okay, Todd said, for the sake of the podcast, that was totally unplanned, which I believe it was and I know it was. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we do our part, we prepare, but we give plenty of room for the Holy Spirit to take over. So Todd picks songs. It isn't that he doesn't pick songs. Um, you know, he'll work with the band. If they don't know the song, they'll practice it a little, but, but they don't say, okay, we're going to sing it two times, then the chorus, and then one time. And then. No, they don't do that. They just kind of go wherever they go. So when Carl over here and company, Dirk and others, have the drums going, ding, 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 they're picking up in the spirit. But let me tell you something, and this I know to be true. They are actually submitted to Todd's leadership. There is order in this house, even when it doesn't look like it to you. Um, because they, they know, you know, if Todd were to glance over there like, okay, we're bringing it down, they'd be, they'd be coming back down. Uh, I, I'm trying to explain it to you in a way that, you know, that uh, give you a visual to say, we want the Holy Spirit to move, and, but, that, but there is order in the kingdom. And so sometimes an individual will come in here and have an agenda that is not flowing with everything else that's going on here. And so there are times where we'll talk to people and say, hey, love that you have freedom, we love it, but that's not really what God's doing right now. How often do we do that? Not very often at all. Partly because we've been talking over these core values for a long time, partly because most of you in here are so sensitive to the Spirit, you're moving right along with us, and we didn't have to tell you a thing. Um, but when I talked about safety, um, you know, do we ever say anything to people if something is just not helpful um, with, with what we sense the Spirit's doing? Yeah, we do. But I'll tell you what, we always do it in love. We always do it with grace. Um, so that shouldn't scare you. Remember earlier I told you we want you to have freedom to enjoy the Lord. That's actually, this is actually should give you more confidence to have freedom. I, I bet you one of the reasons why most people in this room might not want to go too wild is, well, I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want to do something that's out of order, right? Well, isn't it good to know that if we thought something was just so taking away from what God said, we would tell you in a really respectful, quiet, loving way, I don't think that's what God's doing right now. That should ought to give you more freedom to, to go for it. I just put this picture up here because I thought this was a great picture of the spirit and flowing and a dancer and just kind of what it would look like, you know, from heaven's perspective when we're, when we're moving. There's something about movement and worship and, this, and moving with the spirit. When you see these intercessors, awesome intercessors up here each week, that's what they're doing. A lot of what they're doing is just feeling what the spirit's doing and moving with him. It's very cool. So just a couple bullets. I might have already covered most of these, so... We're a host church for the Holy Spirit to come in any way that he desires. We love and honor his presence, and we have rolled out the red carpet to him. 
We are open to all of the ways Holy Spirit touches people, including laughing, crying, falling on the floor, peaceful silence. Hey, did you know that was a, a work of the Spirit? The rest of the Lord? And any other way he chooses to do so. Some people say, we'll ask the question, you know that person up there, it seems to me like that's in the flesh. If you're meaning that their spirit wasn't fully in charge 100% of the time, that maybe their soul got involved, I want to know how many of you would think you are fully in the spirit 100% of the time any given night? Anyone? Okay, just, just checking. It could equally be in the flesh to sit in the back row with your arms folded. I'm just saying. One more thing I'm going to say. Honestly, 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 whether you laugh, cry, fall to the floor, peaceful silence, whatever, that does not make you any more or less spiritual. Where I'm not, I've, I've been in places where, you know, okay, let's do the courtesy fall. They're praying for people. I saw everyone else fall. Okay, I guess I'm going to, you know. Um, we are so not interested in that. I mean, please, please don't do that. God's not interested in that in the least bit. However, I, I just talked, this is so cool. Suzanne and I got to minister to a group of people, um, leaders in just uh, the last, two, last night and today. And uh, one of them said, I went to your church five years ago and my life was never the same. I'm like, cool, tell me about it. What happened that night? So she starts to tell this story. One second. She starts to tell the story. She says, you know, I was one of those where we'd go to these conferences and, you know, I'd be in a line and everybody's fallen. Whole rows would go out. Everybody except me. I'm standing there going, okay, what? What, God? I don't get it. So she says, that night I came up and she said, um, you had a missionary that was praying. And I said, oh, did he speak that night? She said, no, he was just in the area and you invited him up to pray. And I'm like, well, that sounds like me, like something I would do. And so, so she comes up to him and, um, and the missionary says, um, st stops her. She's coming up to him and she wants a touch from God, but she's not going to make it happen, you know, f fake it. And, uh, and, and she doesn't think anything's going to happen. So she's coming up to this guy and he stops her and says, stop. I, I'm not going to touch you. God, want, God wants to touch you and for you to know that it's real. And, he, and he, you know, Holy Spirit, come. And she said, what happened is, she said, and her husband, who was watching, said she, she lifted up and went and flew about three feet backwards and was on the floor suddenly saying, whoa, what was that? <laughs> now, for some of you, that might sound a little scary. I... I will tell you that most of the time, God doesn't do things like that unless it's something you are really longing for, honestly. I'm not saying he doesn't ever, you know, knock somebody off their donkey, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, most of the time, when you're encountering him, it's because you actually wanted that encounter.
So, we're going to have a line later for those that want to be thrown three feet backwards. And, uh... here's, here's what I'm far more interested in. Those experiences are awesome if they make the reality of God more dear to you, more, you know, bring it into your heart. What I'm after is for you to know a Papa who loves you, not intellectually, but because to the core of your being, you know there's no other truth. My daddy loves me. He's for me. And sometimes experiences is what are, are what we need to get to those places, and he knows that. So, okay. What else? All gifts of the Spirit are part of our inheritance from the Father. All. All gifts. Speaking in tongues? Yeah. Healing, sure. Prophecy, absolutely. How about serving? Hey, you don't hear that one very often, you know? How about hospitality? So um, all the gifts are equally as supernatural, honestly. For some of you that, that have this amazing gift, you just know what to do when people show up and they feel so at home, and you're like, oh, that's not what everybody does. No, it's not what everybody does. It's a gift you have. Uh, equally, you know, the laying on of hands and seeing people healed. So all the gifts are for today including tongues, um, and uh, Todd, I think a little bit tonight, we did a little bit of singing in tongues at one point, you know, um, and I'll just say this, because tongue seems to be kind of like the, I don't know, the polarizing gift, I don't know, uh, like, because certain groups have taught, you know, you got to speak in tongues if you're really baptized in the Spirit, I would say, you know, you're baptized in the Spirit when, the whole, when you're inviting Him in, just like you invited Jesus in. He takes over. All kinds of amazing things happen. I know people, myself included, yeah, speaking in tongues was one of the first things I did as it happened, and Holy Spirit came, and whew, I mean, it was a very dramatic, dramatic encounter. Uh, I, I, I felt like every care was a million miles away, and all of a sudden, He just took over, and, and I, was, I was speaking in tongues. It was glorious. It was amazing. Is that everybody's experience? No. And part of the problem is we try to duplicate someone else's experience. And the Lord says, you know what? I'm, I, I really know how to individually touch all my kids. Some people spoken, have spoken in tongues a year later. Some of them woke up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues and went, whoa, okay, that was cool. Some people never have, and they are, they are filled with the Spirit. They are baptized in the Spirit. They're amazing, Spirit-filled people. Now, I do believe that any of us can have a heavenly language. I, I believe that. I think we uh, make it too, um, I don't know, almost like, okay, God, I'm going to, until you open my mouth, I'm, I'm going to make you do something dramatic. It's a lot more, it's a lot simpler than that. Um, it's not quite so surreal as that. Um, but that's a whole other topic, so I just wanted to touch on it tonight. If you got questions for me, by all means, uh, feel free to ask me. Um, but once again, I'm going to tell you, and I hope you heard in my heart again, so somebody who speaks in tongues is not more spiritual than somebody who doesn't. You, know, you want to know who the, you want to know the mark of spirituality? L-O-V-E. Okay. We provide a safe place in the kingdom for people to experiment and risk failure as they learn the ways of the Spirit. So, for example, prophecy. Well, what if I step out and try to listen to God's voice and tell somebody, and what if I'm wrong? Okay. But one of the reasons, and I'll talk more about prophecy next week, but one of the reasons when, when it's to edify, encourage, build up, 
We teach those things. So if you're giving a word to somebody and you're encouraging them the best you can, what if 40% of it's you and 60% is God? Were they encouraged? That wasn't such a bad thing. And it gave you, it, this gives you a place to go ahead and try try things out because how else are you going to learn? So just today, we, we, uh, in that group Suzanne and I were teaching, um, ministering out, we had them all get in groups of four and prophesy to each other, and it was awesome. And they all did amazing because somebody told them that they could. We seek the approval of God rather than man. This impacts every decision that we make. And that's kind of self-explanatory. It really does. Um, so here's the next one. Here's number three, an atmosphere of the Father's love. We value, you're saying, isn't that the same as number one? No, number one was about the presence. We're alive for his presence. We're specifically now saying that, that a non-negotiable for us is, is Papa's massive, adoring, huge love for his kids. Um, because I am convinced this one truth alone will change your life like nothing else can or will. What about Jesus on the cross? Well, he came to show us the Father who we misunderstood. We are all desperately wanting to know that our Papa in heaven really does love us. Believers and pre-believers alike are desperately wanting to know that. And so when, when well-meaning Christians run around and say, God hates you and you're going to go to hell if you keep doing that, that's not the Father that they're looking for. So, let's look at a couple scriptures. Galatians 4, 6. To seal our sonship, God has commissioned the spirit of sonship to resonate the Abba echo in our hearts. And now, in our innermost being, we recognize him as our true and very dear Father. Abba echo. Daddy, you love me. Papa, Dada, up Dada. That's what Abba is. That's what Abba means. Think how much the Father loves us. He loves us so much that he lets us be called his children as we truly are. I know you've heard me say it many times, but you are not like God's children. It wasn't just a cool analogy to make you feel good. You are actually his sons and his daughters, his princes and his princesses in his kingdom. And the word actually tells us we're kings and queens in his kingdom, co-laboring with him. Yep, it's that good. It's that good. Um, and then Ephesians 5.1, how does this impact us with each other? Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. That ought to be our clue right there about what we're to be about in this world. Mostly about love, just loving people. Actually, all about love, but it can come in a lot of different ways. Um, so here's some of the bullet points under that. Daddy loves us not because of what we do or don't do, but because we are his. Uh, again, this is, you've heard me preach this so many times. I'm not going to preach it, preach it tonight. I'm trying to give you a quick overview. 
But it, it is not about your performance. It never will be. It never can be. So I'm going to say to all of you tonight, just in case you've never heard this, you have your father's permission to get off the performance treadmill for the rest of your life. You have his permission. Somebody, you know, will say, well, what about obedience? You know, well, obedience is very, very different. There's two ways you can approach obedience. One is as a slave, and the other is as a son or a daughter. What's the difference? Well, the difference is love. When you, God said, Jesus said, first of all, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. In the book of Hosea, chapter 2, the father says, through, through the uh, prophet Isaiah, the father says, no more will you call me master. Now you're going to call me husband. That's the nature of the change. So do I do things um, for, that my wife asked me to do? Absolutely. But if I did it only because I had to, because I was bound by this ring and I can't, uh, you know, and I have to do what she says. That's one way. The other is, man, I love her. And of course, I, I, of course I want to help her. Of course I want to do what she's asking. Uh, so that's, that's what God's after. He's after lovers, and we respond to him out of love. It's just what lovers do. God's in a good mood. He's not mad at us. God's in a good mood. <laughs> he is not mad at you. He's not disappointed with you. He's not putting up with you. He celebrates you. Love wins. People flourish when they are loved. One of... Example I was going to use, but one of the reasons you heard you heard uh, Joan's testimony tonight about KTSSM. Most of the people who come to our school actually are not from this church. I, you know, over half for sure are not. And so for them, they're coming into a culture that's very different. And at, at the first, I, you know, the first week or two, they probably think we're a little different, a little off, just a little off, because they you look a little too happy. I've seen people like you. There's something behind that. I'm going to find out what it is. We've had people come to our church that way too, you know? Um, and what happens is, over time, no matter what the wounds, no matter what the hurts, over time, and honestly, the bigger the hurts and the wounds, usually the longer the time it takes. But love will win out. Eventually, people start to say, oh, oh, you're just going to love me. Yeah, that's it. Huh, never had that happen before. Okay. So um, love wins. So hang in there with people. I just want to tell you for each other. You know, I understand relationships get frustrating at times. It's true for everybody on this earth. Uh, and there's certain ones, you know, certain ones where you might be thinking, gosh, when's this going to change? You know, well, keep loving. Keep loving, keep loving, keep loving. I do understand, and I'm not, now I'm going on a whole other sidetrack. So I understand that there are certain relationships 
that are really, really destructive, ones that are very abusive. So I'm not, I'm not telling you to stay in a place that's extremely abusive. All I'm saying is in most cases, for most relationships, that's not what's going on. We're just frustrated, we're aggravated. When's it gonna change? I wanna say, keep loving. And you're like, why? <laughs> well, the main reason I could think of is because God keeps loving you. <laughs> <laughs> Because he sees the treasures in you. He knows where he's taking you. He knows where you're going. He loves to love you. We love each other as brothers and sisters in one family with the love that we've received from the Father. What that means is we, we have nothing to give each other unless we're receiving it this way. So if you're trying to love and you just, it's just not coming for you, I guarantee you, you need the floodgates to open up this way first. and Receive Papa's love. This then becomes effortless. It becomes second first nature, actually. It just happens when you, when, you, when you take in the love. Love is the best indicator of the authenticity of God's handiwork. I already said that earlier, and it's true. So we're going on to number four, I believe. The finished work, this is what we value. We value the finished work of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This is a non-negotiable. You might be thinking, well, Brent, isn't that every church in America? Well, we define it, what we mean by that. When we say that we believe Jesus finished it all, we mean that he finished it all. Which is why I could tell you what I told you earlier about you being off the performance treadmill. How is that possible? Well, because Jesus already lived that perfect life for you. He perfectly fulfilled the old covenant, every detail of the law. And yet, so many Christians are still going back into the law and saying, well, the only way God can be pleased with me is if I care, if I you know, fulfill every single law. No, he's pleased with you because you're his child. And Jesus fulfilled the law so that you get to enter in as a lover and a friend, not as a petrified slave waiting for your beating. He did it all. All, all, all. So the moment you said yes to Jesus, you became one with him. You actually were co-crucified with him on the cross. That's what the word says. Co-buried with him. You are already co-raised with him. You are already seated with him in the heavenly places. Brent, that's just impossible. Uh, welcome to the kingdom of God. That's how you can know that that your past doesn't disqualify you. How come? Oh, because didn't you know it's already in the grave? Ooh. What's left? Well, only the new you. How come I still make mistakes? Ah, because you're still figuring out who the new you really is. You're still, some, some of you have a relapse. You're thinking that your old you is still alive, silly you. When's the last time making those decisions brought you one ounce of life? Now, it doesn't, it never will, because you've actually moved on from there once and for all. So you actually gain your freedom by believing who you already are. You aren't going to get any more freedom than you already have. Did you know that? He can't go up there and die for you again. See, you don't get any more freedom. Well, I don't feel very free. Well, that's because you aren't enjoying all that he paid for. How do I do that? Holy Spirit. Remember that one we talked about? <laughs> Ask him for help. Holy Spirit, help me to get the truth 
of what Jesus has finished for me. Help me to get this so that I can finally rest from striving to try to earn what I already have. Help me to live in who I really am. Last week, I told you over and over again, ask God, who am I? Who do you say that I am? The world won't tell you that. And, and honestly, your own self-talk doesn't tell you that unless you're really connected with the Lord. Your own self-talk starts putting you down. Ask the Lord, who do you say that I am? The finished work. Here it is in Scripture. Galatians 2, 19 and 20 in the mirror. The, my co-crucifixion with Christ is valid. I'm not making this up. In his death, I died to the old system of trying to please God with my own good behavior. God made me alive together with Christ. The terms co-crucified and co-alive defines me now. Christ in me and I in him. His sacrificial love is evidence of his persuasion of my righteousness. And if you're trying to become righteous, please stop. Please stop trying to be righteous. You cannot try to be what you already are. That's called self-righteousness. It will lead to one thing. It will lead to condemnation. Because you trying to be good and think that you're measuring up for God will always result in not measuring up. So you have to choose not to play that game anymore. You have a choice. Oh, that's a losing game. So what do you do instead? You, you get in touch Ask the Holy Spirit to help you get in touch with what Christ has done for you. You are righteous, so now you live who you are. Okay? All right. I think you're getting it. Actually, we're all getting it. We're all getting it by God's grace. Do you know why it's going to happen? Do you know why you're going to get it more and more and more? Because God's jealous love will make sure it happens. That's what it says over and over in the, old, in, the, in the scriptures. My jealous love will accomplish this. That's why it's going to happen. That's why it is happening. Jesus' death on the cross was completely sufficient for our total forgiveness and freedom. Therefore, we do not strive to gain what we already have through Christ. We already measure up because of what Christ has done for us. Any of you feel like you don't measure up? Probably because you were told that by a parent. Or someone else like that growing up. You, I've got great news. You measure up. Because Christ measured up on your behalf. We have unmerited favor through inheriting what Christ bought for us at the cross. There is no other gospel. That's, that's it. So if you don't like this gospel, I'm sorry. This is, this is the only one there is. And do you, know that, do you know that's why it talks about the, the cross being an offense, a stumbling block? Why would the cross be an offense? It was a huge offense to the Pharisees of Jesus' day, and it's a huge offense to the religious mind of today. When you see the grace gospel the way it really is, it's hugely offensive to anything in you that wants to earn it. It's hugely offensive. This can't be right. No, you're telling me a lie because I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to pull a fast one and say, you didn't try hard enough. You know, Brent, you're pulling a fast one here. No, I, I assure you, this is the gospel. 
In fact, in fact, those of you who are in Christ, meaning you have said yes to Jesus, Jesus, you did it all. I say yes to your free gift of, of your sacrifice for me. That, that's it. That's the way you're in, okay? Once you do that, this fear of getting in, I, I have, we've got to be done with this because I have some great news for you. You're already in. That thing you're afraid of not getting into, you're already in. Didn't, didn't we just say you're already co-seated with him in heaven? That's exceptionally good news. <laughs> Ephesians 2 says you're already seated with him in the heavens. How could we be afraid of not, getting, of, of, getting, of not making it into the place we're already in? Hmm. Have you ever thought about that? Which is why it says in 1 John chapter 4, somewhere in there, it says, it says in 1 John chapter 4 that if you're still afraid of judgment, you have not come to perfection in love. That's what it says. When you start getting the lenses of love and grace, you are going to read your Bible entirely differently. If you have had lenses of judgment and that God's ticked off at the world and at you, that's exactly, you're going to read a lot of scriptures very differently. But it's amazing. Once you get this revelation of the Father's love that Jesus has already set you free, you're going to see things you never saw before. That's why Jesus said to the one who has ears to hear, to the one who has eyes to see, listen, hear, watch. Holy Spirit is giving you eyes and ears to hear the truth the way it really is. People's fear is this. This is the fear. Well, if that's real, if that's really the gospel, people are going to take advantage of it. They're going to, oh, they're just going to do whatever they want. You're going to have people just running all over the place, sinning like crazy and not caring. I have a couple things to say to that. First of all, I don't see you all living lives like that at all. I, I don't. The fruit really does speak for itself. But I want to say secondly, why do you think Paul even brought that out? Uh, that, um, what's the word? Just lost it. Argument. Thank you. Wow. Why did Paul bring up that argument anyway? He's the one that brought it up. Oh, next thing you're going to be telling me I should sin all the more so that grace can abound all the more. That's foolishness. Why would he bring that up? Because that's how crazy this sounds. He's like, I know what your argument's going to be. If we understand grace like this, what would keep us from doing that? From just running around like crazy people, sinning like crazy and hurting ourselves and everybody else. What would keep us from that? I will tell you. L-O-V-E. Love. 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 Love changes us. Love doesn't want to go hurt people. So the more you are loved unconditionally, the more you will love like that. It will happen. Who's in charge of this crazy church anyway?
All right. So this is my job right now. <laughs> my job is not to say, shut up. My job is to tell you there are times when the Holy Spirit begins to move and the angels are kissing you and saying, this is the truth, this is the truth. It's really good. And all of a sudden you get really happy and you can't help yourself. I remember, I re the first, you guys are taking me down a really big tangent here, but that's okay. So I remember, this was the early 1990s. I was a Presbyterian pastor with a robe and a stole on. <laughs> but I was really hungry for more. So I would go down to, uh, yeah, down to Anaheim, California to go to John Wimber's church to go to the vineyard. And I remember going down there, and this is with, me and Doug Addison went down there together, and we were like kids back then. We're talking, talking 20 years ago. We were kids. We went down there, and I'm telling you, I was a kid in a candy store. I'm like, no way. We, get, we could worship like this? Oh my gosh. And then I would watch people, you know, just get crazy and drunk in the Lord. There's a reason why in Acts 2, they got, they got accused of being drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. How have you guys already had that much to drink? <laughs> why would they be called drunk unless they were looking kind of silly? So there I am in Anaheim. And I remember the very, I remember, oh my goodness. There was a wave. Anaheim's got a few thousand people in this auditorium, this packed place. And I'm telling you, there was a wave of laughter. And John Wimber was up there. He was not causing it. He didn't say, Holy Spirit, laughter. <laughs> what he, he was just opening it up to whatever the Lord wanted to do. And then he said, he said, oh, all of a sudden a bunch of people were laughing. He said, oh, watch this. It's going to spread all, watch this. Oh, it's going to spread like a wave. I mean, sure enough, just like if you were at a ball game, you know, with the wave, here comes the laughter just, and people are doubled over and bah, and they can't, they're crying, they can't stop. And I was right in the midst of it, laughing like a madman in a good way. Oh my goodness. If, have you ever had a really good laugh? Do you know that they have studies that prove that laughter like boosts your immune system? You, you probably know that by now. You know what? See, the religious mind would say, now why would people laugh in church? But I'm telling you, and again, there's no pressure if you're not laughing, that's okay. But I'm telling you, God knows how to touch his kids. And I want to tell you, those of you who are laughing, you're going to feel a whole lot better before you're done. I could tell you a lot of stories about me and Doug in Anaheim, but I'm not going there right now. 
We had some fun. This little Presbyterian pastor had some fun. You want to get happier? This is number eight, if you're looking on your list. The extravagant, generous heart of the Father. We value the extravagant, generous heart of the Father. Didn't we just talk about the Father's love and the presence? Yeah, but this is different. <laughs> we had to add it because this is different. This is a Papa who loves to take care of you. And I want to tell you, this is going to be one of the main struggles, temptations, is to not believe that he's good and that he's for you. <laughs> you got to get this. 2 Corinthians 9.10, specifically in the source New Testament, I'm going to tell you an amazing word study in just a second. Check this out. God who fully supplies every single expense plus more to pay for the seed for the sower, to pay for all the expenses for bread to the eater, will supply all the expenses to pay for as well as multiply the seed you sow and make the crops of your righteousness grow. That's just a great verse. But some of you, you, you might say, well, you know, I'd like to believe that's true, but that doesn't fit with all of my circumstances. Right? Your mind starts clicking and you're like, I want to believe that. Let me tell you, let me tell you something that's going to unlock this for you. I really believe. That word, koriegos, which is the one that fully supplies every expense and then some. That word is the same word. Uh, it, it, first of all, it's an exhaustive word. It means, it means not just that he pays for, but everything else. Like at no rock left unturned. That word is actually the same word that's used in the 5th century Greek drama. For the person in the Greek drama, which was this elaborate, they had elaborate sets and costumes and everything else. Well, one person vied for the opportunity, the privilege of paying for the whole thing. That person was called the Coriegos. They got to pay for it all. They considered it a huge privilege to do that. All the sets, all of the actors, everything. At the end of the performance, that person, that Coriegos, would come to the front to a rousing ovation of all the people that showed their, ex their expression of gratitude for paying for this to happen. Your Father in heaven is that Coriegos for you. He says, my children, I've paid for it all. Every bit of it, every bit of your life. Now, here, I said, our problem is, but it doesn't always look that way to me. You know why? Let me explain why. Because sometimes you are in act two, scene four of a five act play. And he says to you, I, I know it doesn't look like it, Trust me, I've paid for the whole thing. I, I'm going I'm to bless your socks off more than you could possibly imagine. He says, but you know what? 
over here in this, this act three, scene two, woo, it's really good. Over here, act five, oh my, 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 my. And he says, and I've paid for it all. It's, do you know why I told you God's jealous love is going to get you there? But you know why else he's going to get you there? Because he's already there with you. He's already there with you. Brent, that's impossible. I know. That's the kingdom. What do I mean by that? He's outside of time. We, we know that intellectually. But what does that actually mean? Well, that means before the foundation of the earth, you were already in his heart. You were already created. Before the foundation of the earth, Christ was already crucified. You can read that in the book of Revelation. Like this wasn't an afterthought where God said, huh, Adam sinned. I wonder what we're going to do now. See, he's outside of time, which doesn't just mean the past. It means the future too. How, again, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He is outside of time, which means the reason why he knows you're going to get somewhere is because he's already there with you. Don't, don't ask me to explain that intellectually. I can't. It's the best sci-fi flick the world has ever thought of. And it's real. But all I'm, the only point I'm trying to tell you is that's how he knows you're going to get there. This is not guesswork. He's not wondering. Hmm. Which is also why I believe... I really believe this. There's, on, there's only a plan A for your life. Some of you have thought, well, I've blown it so bad. I guess he's on plan C or in my case, maybe plan F or G or whatever, you know. He's way, he's way bigger than that. He's already, he's, I don't know how, but he's already calculated all the different decisions we make and, and, and woven it into something that gets us exactly where he wants us to go. Which could make you think, oh, well, that gives me permission to do whatever I want. No, don't be so silly. That's not going to get you where you want to go. You're going you're to be miserable while you, while, if you start going in directions that you know isn't God. You don't want that. But he will get you there. I hope that was encouraging for you. We trust our Father to meet every need that we have. We do not make decisions based on lack. I cannot tell you how many times this has been tested in this church. If you, if you go from the vantage point of, well, can I really afford this? Can I, well, you know what? I don't have I can't do that. You've, again, you've already disqualified yourself before you've even really asked, Lord, what do you want? God is in the business of impossibilities and, the and of miracles. Guess what? You need a miracle because it is impossible. That's why you need it. So... I, using as an example the school of ministry. If you're sitting there saying, well, I, I don't have $3,000, I can't do this. My only question is, did you ask the Lord whether you're supposed to be in the school? All right? If he says you are, then your next question is, okay, Papa, how are we going to do this? How are you going to get me there? All right? You don't make decisions based on lack. We have our Father's DNA. We are happiest when we are like Him. He is a wild, extravagant giver. We are happiest when we do the same. This is not rocket science. I've had a lot of people come to this church and say, I'm so glad that you don't pass the offering plate and talk about giving all the time because that's all that everybody ever talks about is giving, giving, giving. 
in some ways, we're not doing you a very good service if we're not telling you about the joy you have to give, whether it's here or anywhere else. You were made to give. In fact, God says you are so made to give. If you're not going to do it with my heart, forget about it because it's not even fun. He says you're missing out on all the fun. If you're just, if you're just going to give and be angry about it or ticked off about it, just don't do it. But, but he says when you get my heart to be a giver, I am going to pour so much into you because now you know what to do with it. All right, this is the last one, partnering with God to change history. This is number 12. What do we do with all this? I will tell you this, though God wants to bless you and though experiencing his presence has to be our number one goal, it's not meant to stay with you. It's not. It, he, he wants you to leak everywhere you go. You're going to change history. The closer you get to the Lord, the more your life is going to impact scores of people. Sometimes without you even trying. But just know that that is the point. He does want us to change history. If that weren't true, Jesus beam us up now. Because we're, we're, we're going to be much happier uh, face to face with him. Matthew 6.10 where Jesus told us to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, on the earth as it is in heaven. He told us to pray that. So we're supposed to usher in his kingdom, which is mostly a kingdom of love. It is a kingdom of power, to be sure. Miracles, signs, and wonders, absolutely. It's part of the game, part of the package but it's mostly about love. In fact, I, I, it's been a long time since I've told miracle stories and I'm not gonna tell them tonight, but, but suffice it to say, I, I, really, I have seen God do the impossible over and over and over again. It's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing to see a man who was paralyzed for six years get up out of his wheelchair and walk. I've seen it. I've, that, that, you know, please understand, that, that wasn't meant to sound like I don't know, like it wasn't a big deal. It was a huge deal. It was awesome. It was like, whoa, is this really happening? Fire going down his spine and he's getting up. But I will say this. As, as cool as those things are, and I love seeing them, what I love even more is seeing God's love transform people. I, I, I love it when somebody gets it and, and his love starts to saturate them and they're finally set free to be who they really are. It's really cool. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to uh, 20, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That means he's made us right with him. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, he's committed to us that same ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Once and for all, we have got to get out of our minds that we are to tell the world how sinful it is. That is not what we're doing here. Holy Spirit is really good at that. And most people you talk to know darn well 
what they're not doing well, what they're not doing right, and you telling them that they're a failure, they'll say, tell me what else I don't know. Tell me something else. Thank you. Thank you so very much. You know, that was just really helpful. What they don't know is a father who went to the extreme lengths of taking care of every bit of the sin issue problem. A father who 2,000 years ago at the cross, when the gavel came down and the verdict was read over all of humanity, not guilty. Brent, are you saying, are you telling me, Brent, that all roads lead to heaven? No. There's one road. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that died for the, for the Father to say not guilty. However, it's, it is in Scripture that it wasn't just for a few. It was for everybody. This is the deal. The Father says, and this is our message when we go out. The Father says, you are all included you're all invited. All expenses have been paid. Do you want in? Do you want in? And if you're thinking, well, God wouldn't do that. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that to a sinner. I want to say, well, how did you get saved then? And, and if, if tonight you're still sitting there saying, well, I don't know that I ever have been, please, please talk to one of us. We'd love to tell you about Jesus. We'd love to tell you about the Father's love. And honestly, your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. So we were made to make a difference, but we're going to make a difference when we bring the right message, which is one of reconciliation. That means God's, God has already done everything to make you right with him. It's already done. You want in? You want in? Who wouldn't want in? That's why when we go out on the streets, we bring really good news to people. We tell them good stuff. We, we prophesy God's heart to them m many times before they're saved. Many times it's people that are not saved yet. And we're already telling them, this is what God thinks of you. He thinks you're, you're amazing. Thinks you rock. You know, um, and people say, well, how can you say that? They're not saved yet. Oh, no, that's, that's what he thinks about all his kids. They just don't know it yet. As soon as they know the real father, as soon as they know the real savior, they're going to be running in. They're going to be jumping in with both feet. Honestly. Honestly, honestly. Um, so intercessory prayer is important because agreement matters to God. I just thought I would throw this in, in there because sometimes we ask, well, if God's in charge of everything, what, matter, what, does, what difference does it make? Why do we even pray? Well, agreement is really huge to him. He, he wants to co-labor with us. He, yes, he could do it all. But you know what? As a father of two, with two sons, it was much more fun flying a kite with them instead of by myself. Amen. Much more fun. It was really fun teaching them things that they didn't know. You know, I, somebody else could have taught them, but I wanted to. I was their dad. So I'm just saying he wants to do this with us. He doesn't have to. He wants to. He loves to. We will send the passion of God's love around the world, transforming one heart at a time. So if transforming the world just sounds like too big of a thing for you, no problem because Jesus already actually saved the whole world. So that's not your job. But if you're thinking, how do I make a difference? The answer is with the next person that you encounter. That's where you start. Just the next person. Just, just have a nice word to say. Just have a smile. And if God opens the door, tell him more. 
But that's how you make a difference. Just love the one you're with. All right? It is a song. So there we are. Actually, I was in, did you know I was in cross country? There's something I bet you didn't know. One of those as a runner. I was in cross country in high school. So I was much thinner than I am now. I was a little pole back then when you run cross country. Anyway, but I'll tell you something. The reason why I ended with this picture that we're, we're ending now is, because, is uh, because we are going somewhere together. And it's a whole lot more fun to go with people who want to go there with you. I, I love this place. I love this church. I love you guys because you're going after the same things. It's just so much fun to be around people who really want God, where I don't have to convince you to want God. You just do. I love that. And because of a bunch of hungry people getting together and enjoying God together, it just makes it a super fun environment. So I want to thank you. I sincerely want to thank you. Because 10 years ago when I decided that, that I was going to go after God no matter what, and this time we were just going to make it about him and his kingdom and about love, I didn't know who would come, but it really didn't matter. Suzanne and I, had, had, we had set our course and we said, this is what we must do. And here we are, we're 10 years into the journey, we're loving it. I'm, I'm a really happy camper, I really am. And, and, uh, and, and you guys have helped make it that way. You really have. You know, if all of you got up one at a time and left, pretty soon it'd just be me. And you know what? Blazing Fire wouldn't be the same anymore. <laughs> I would still enjoy the Lord, but it wouldn't be the same without you. So I want to say, truly say from the bottom of my heart, Suzanne's not here, but we want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. So. And as I said, uh, 